0: Listening to Jim Paris Live, your source for the latest news on money, politics, prophecy, and preparedness. And now, your host, the editor in chief of ChristianMoney.com and the author of more than 30 books, Jim Paris. All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to our special broadcast, which is all about Jeffrey Epstein and the latest news on this. And if you're just tuning in, normally we have a guest in this segment of our program. Tonight, we're not, we're not doing that. We're, we've canceled a guest that we were going to have tonight. Tonight is all about Jeffrey Epstein, and I've got a whole stack of stuff in front of me to talk about, about the Jeffrey Epstein case. And next week on our program, we will have Dylan Howard will be here in this segment. He will be here to talk about the new book, uh, Epstein, Dead Men Tell No Tales. And I, I heard him on Sean Hannity. But he hasn't done a lot of interviews, and I'm going to talk about that tonight, why the the media is honestly running and hiding from this story. Uh, But there is a lot to get into tonight, and we're going to start with uh, tonight's sponsor. Uh, What I do on my show, we don't do commercials, but we have a sponsor that helps us to pay the bills. Tonight's sponsor is freestocks.us. What is it? Go there. You'll get a free share of stock. Once you're signed up, you can tell friends about it. You'll get a free share of stock every time a friend signs up, and they also get a free share of stock. So far, I've gotten 51 free shares of stock, and you can do the same. Uh, One share of stock I got was worth over $100 It's uh, The stock shares are selected randomly, so you never know how much money that you will get when you get your free share of stock. And then every time you share this with a friend and use your link, like I'm doing tonight, you get a free share, they get a free share, and so far I've gotten 51 free shares of stock. Check out tonight's sponsor, freestocks.us. That's freestocks.us. Okay, I want to start tonight by talking about the media and the media simply avoiding this story. And you're all aware of the Amy Robach, ABC news, hot mic moment where she uh, was caught uh, on video saying that they had everything, as she put it, everything on Epstein more than three years ago. Now, that video, I believe, was from uh, August. So we're talking about going back to, you know, three years ago, 2016. What was going on in 2016? Well, that was the presidential election, and there was clearly a connection between uh, Jeffrey Epstein and Bill Clinton. So that's super convenient, right, that ABC decided to kill that story. Uh, if you're somebody that follows the Jeffrey Epstein story, you know about the Amy Robach hot mic moment but i i saw this story today and i thought this was fascinating um this this site it's called fair.org f a i r .org sort of a site that follows the news media um and cultural issues and they had a really interesting uh, story which really resonated with me which is why has no other news organization picked up the story of ABC killing that Epstein report. And why is it that the only one person facing any consequences is this young 25 year old whistleblower um, who was accused of leaking the video, who denies that she leaked the video and project Veritas says that it wasn't her, but ABC contacted her new employer because she had left ABC uh, subsequently, you know, before all of this happened, and she had moved on, just started working for CBS. Well, they contacted CBS, and she lost her job at CBS. And uh, Megyn Kelly did an interview uh, with this young lady. I believe her uh, her name is uh, – I don't want to mention her name. She deserves privacy. Um, but you can find her name, I'm sure, if you uh, look up the interview with Megyn Kelly. But this article at FAIR.org was asking the question – why has no other media organization um, really picked up on this story, the the story of ABC killing that special investigative report they were doing on Jeffrey Epstein? The only one that really did that was Megan Kelly, who's not working for anybody. She's just her own independent person right now, and just did that by way of uh, YouTube and Instagram. I thought that was interesting, but then I I take it a step further and I ask this question. So if three years ago, ABC News had everything uh, from Virginia Roberts, as um, Amy Robach said in the hot mic moment, that Virginia Roberts had come out of hiding after 12 years in hiding. She come out of hiding. They had all of this information. They had everything on Epstein, uh, uh, the Clinton Connection. They had all of this information, Prince Andrew. They had everything, according to Amy Robach. So if ABC killed that story three years ago, according to Amy Robach, you have to wonder, would not another network have heard about that? And they would have picked up on the story or would not have Virginia Roberts gone to another network or someone that worked for ABC News have leaked it to another network and said, hey, my. Employer killed this story, but maybe you're interested in this story. Um, I find it fascinating, fascinating that no other media organization ran with that story. And, you know, I didn't want to say this tonight when I when I was going to do this special tonight. I didn't want to go there to go here where I'm going to go right now because I don't want to believe I really don't want to believe that we live in a world where the elite can sexually abuse minors and that this is a thing that is accepted in, in, in certain circles of high society. I've heard people talk about this. I've heard, you know, Alex Jones has said this. Others have said this. I, I don't want to believe that we live in a world where the elite can sexually abuse minors and that this is okay and okay to the point that there's a, a cover up that the media is not, doesn't want to cover this. They don't want to expose these people that there is a wink and a nod to this. And if you look at some of the names of the people that Jeffrey Epstein was very uh, cozy with and friendly with, and had been to his house. There are big names. I'm not going to mention them tonight. Just do do a a quick Google search and see uh, some of the big name reporters and anchors that have had connections to Jeffrey Epstein. I don't want to believe that we live in a world that says that's okay. I don't want to believe that our major media, I mean, I grew up in the golden age of media. I grew up, uh, you know, born in 1965. You know, I remember when we had just the three or four channels, ABC, NBC, CBS, and you'd watch the nightly news, and that was where you got your information from. I don't want to believe that these are co-conspirators in the abuse, the sexual abuse of minors, but I will go that far tonight and say that if it's true... That our major media has kept quiet about Epstein and others like him, so that they can keep access to these rich and powerful people. To me, that that is a co-conspirator. You are an accomplice in that crime. All right, the court. This whole court battle of opening up the civil court, uh, the civil uh, lawsuit files from the federal court. Uh, from the legal case of Virginia Roberts, J- Virginia Roberts-Jeffrey. Uh, this has been going on now for months, and it's not Epstein anymore, because he's he's gone off this earth, at least if we're to believe that he actually is dead, which some people don't believe. I don't know what I think. There's so many mysteries here. Um, but Jelaine Maxwell, his longtime associate, is fighting in court, uh, along with others, to keep the names uh, secret that are in those court records. And this is a very active case. Um, there's a lot online. Uh, I, I looked at today a, a report. That w- there was a letter uh, of a response from um, the lawyers representing Virginia Roberts Jeffrey responding to uh, Jelaine Maxwell's letter uh, of a few days ago, um, wanting to keep the records sealed. Um, There are a lot of people that will be exposed if these court records are unsealed. And I think that's why they're working so hard to keep the records sealed. Now, I have in front of me, I have in front of me a list of names, and I'm just going to say full and fair disclosure, I I can't confirm any of this other than that these are the names, um, these are the names that appeared um, in Jeffrey Epstein's um, contact list. And this w- list was revealed by his longtime Florida housekeeper. And this, in these names I'm going to give you tonight are all shared in the federal court docket in Miami. So, so these are names. You may have heard some of these before. Some of these I'm not familiar with. But just to mention a few of these here. Um, Edward. Day Rothschild, Evelyn Day Rothschild, David Rockefeller, Ehud Barak, David Blaine, Tony Blair, Michael Bloomberg, um, Jimmy Buffett, Richard Branson, Bill Clinton, uh, Alan Dershowitz, Sarah Ferguson, of course, uh, married to, uh, married to Prince Andrew, uh, Saudi Arabia's Prince Salman, um, Sarah, uh, Steve Forbes, uh, David Frost, Lloyd Grossman, Mick Jagger, Edward Kennedy, Ethel Kennedy, Henry Kissinger, John Kerry, Courtney Love, George Mitchell, Rupert Murdoch, Bill Richardson, Charlie Rose. Uh, so many names here. Uh, apparently, even apparently even the Queen was uh queen elizabeth was in his contact list of course prince andrew duke of york uh was in the contact list and and i've got more to talk about prince andrew tonight so these are some of the names but there is apparently as many as a thousand names that would be released if the uh court records are unsealed and there is no deadline. I I, th- I thought and a lot of people thought that this was going to happen for sure by the end of the year, which is in only, what, two weeks. But the judge in this case has discretion. It, there is no rule that says that the case has to this decision about unsealing the case, that this has to happen for sure by the end of the year. Um, so this is going to keep going. We don't know. All right. Uh, let's talk about Ken Starr. Ken Starr, Ken Starr, Ken Starr. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> no, Alexa, no. My Alexa somehow got fired up when I mentioned Ken Starr. I, I don't know what that's all about. Okay, Ken Starr, if you don't remember, he was the special counsel in the Whitewater investigation. He was the one that took down Bill Clinton. He was the one that worked with Monica Lewinsky, literally took Bill Clinton down, uh, got him to impeachment, all of that, uh, all of that whole Clinton scandal, Whitewater, all of that. Ken Starr was uh, the special counsel. Now, Ken Starr, if you do a little bit of research about him, he is a conservative Christian man. He was solicitor general under George H.W. Bush, which is like the highest uh, position in the government as as an attorney. Um, he was Solicitor Genu- General, um, and he was also the president of Baylor University for several years, which is a faith-based university. Now, you have Ken Starr, this conservative Christian guy, who is obviously uh, well-connected in the Conservative Republican uh, Party, uh, being that he was George H.W. Bush's uh, top attorney. And by the way, this will really get you fired up. His deputy was none other than John Roberts. And a lot of people wonder about uh, John Roberts and some of his strange decisions that he has made. Uh, But that was his deputy uh, was John Roberts. So that was sort of John Roberts, um, you know, track to end up on the Supreme Court. uh, Justice John Roberts. Now, if you read the Epstein, if you read the report and we're going to talk about Alex Acosta in a minute here, who was the uh, U.S. attorney for the Southern District of Florida. That was the one that put the uh, rubber stamp on this whole deal where Epstein uh, didn't have to serve any real prison time uh, for what he did. We'll get to that in a minute. But I can't wrap my brain around this Ken Starr situation. Uh, I read an article today where Ken Starr had gone out and done uh, a public uh, speech somewhere. And uh individual came up to him afterwards and said, hey, can I can I ask you a question privately And he said, sure, you know, fire away. Ask your question. And he asked them about how could you defend Jeffrey Epstein? Uh, Ken Starr, along with Alan Dershowitz, they were among the lawyers that were involved in the Jeffrey Epstein 2008 sweetheart deal. Uh, Ken Starr, who apparently was very gregarious, very um, warm and friendly, and answering questions with people at that event, according to this article. When asked how he could have defended Jeffrey Epstein, he, he basically had a one-line answer. He said something like, I was pleased to be able to support my firm on that matter, and I can't say anything more about it. <laughs> so, boom, uh, you know, end of story. I'm not saying anything more about that. Um, you just got to wonder, first of all, Think about the dynamics of this. You have Bill Clinton who flew on Jeffrey Epstein's plane, according to flight logs, what was it, 26 or 27 times, right? So they're close buddies. He's, he's flying on his plane more than two dozen times. Now you got the guy who took Clinton down who basically ruined Clinton's life and Clinton will live with the legacy of having been impeached and Monica Lewinsky. And I did not have sex with that woman. All of that was brought down by Ken Starr. And now Ken Starr ends up as one of the lead attorneys for Epstein, Clinton's good friend. Oh, the twisted web we weave is it's just that not just weird. I, I, I can't wrap my brain around that, but even more I think to myself, what in the world is Ken Starr doing involved, being involved with this? I, I don't know. It makes no sense to me. Now, Alan Dershowitz, he, he went, you know, he went out uh, to California and got on OJ's defense team. So I think he's one of those lawyers where he just goes to where he wants to go. Um and, I get it. I get it. You know, those that are listening that are attorneys, everyone's entitled to a legal defense, blah, 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 blah. But if you read the report, what Alex Acosta has said, and we'll talk about him in a minute, what he said and what others involved in the case said, that there were so many superstar lawyers, Dershowitz and Ken Starr and others, they brought so much power to bear on the local prosecutors that they became overwhelmed by these, especially these two, Dershowitz and Starr. So they they basically used their clout, their power and their prestige uh, as a get out of ticket jail for Epstein. And I find that fascinating. And we don't hear a lot of people talking about Ken Starr's involvement in this case. And I do think it's a fair question to ask Ken Starr because Jeffrey Epstein had a long earned reputation of being involved with young women, uh, before it finally came to, uh, you know, the boiling point where he was actually charged in 2006. All right. Let me skip ahead. I've got some notes here, but I'm going to skip, I'm going to skip a couple things and I'll go back. Alex Acosta. You remember Alex Acosta? He was on Trump's uh, cabinet and he resigned, uh, abruptly. Do you remember that? Um, I find this very interesting. Also, Alex Acosta was the U S attorney for the Southern district, uh, of Florida. So he was the one that had to put the feds stamp of approval on this deal that was reached with state prosecutors for Epstein. Uh, and, and by the way, Epstein was charged only with, uh, One count of soliciting one person underage for prostitution. That, that was what he actually ended up pleading to. And then he was able to get the sweetheart deal where he didn't even have to stay in, he didn't have to go to regular prison. He had to serve his time in the County jail was given his own section of the County jail was given the ability to be out of the jail for like, um, I think it was 12 or 14 hours a day, he was able to leave the jail. I was looking at the court docket today, and he was not even required to wear an ankle monitor. That one of his lawyers filed a motion to get the requirement for an ankle monitor removed as well. So by the time all was said and done, I mean, he he got virtually no punishment for this. And from what I have heard and what I have read, and I'm certainly no expert on this, that he could have faced uh, 10 years or more in prison. And the fact that they only actually charged him with one single count of soliciting one single person underage um, for prostitution is beyond laughable because uh, they had several uh, young women that had come forward that were interviewed by the local police there. And if you, you know, do your research into it, you'll see there were um, uh, charitable donations made uh, to the police uh, there uh, for equipment. And he used and we're going to talk about charities in a minute because that was part of his whole scheme was using charities. All right. But Alex Acosta. I find this to be very interesting because Alex Acosta, who is a labor secretary All of a sudden, Democrats are calling for his resignation. Um, And this happened um, this summer. They're they're calling for his resignation uh, because he was the one that approved um, the feds approved this deal with Epstein, where the feds were not even going to prosecute him because he was just going to have this deal with the state of Florida and. This this all had to, though, be approved by Alex Acosta. Alex Acosta said that the reason he approved this deal was because he was told that Jeffrey Epstein was in was above his pay grade and was connected to the intelligence community. Now, we're not hearing anything more about that. But why would Alex Acosta say that if it wasn't true? Now, if that was true, which I probably believe it's true, because there's so many other people coming out with stories about Epstein and Jelaine Maxwell being connected uh, to the intelligence community. Why would Alex Acosta just suddenly resign like that? Just because two or three Democrats were calling for his resignation. I mean, Trump had connections to Epstein. I think they're largely exaggerated by the media, but there are videos of Epstein being at Mar-a-Lago at parties and that sort of thing. Uh, so if, you know, I don't think Trump was calling for his resignation. I think he just decided on his own to resign. And you've got to ask yourself, why? Why did he resign on July the 12th? Well, fast forward three weeks from then, and here's here's the news. On August the 6th, The governor of the state of Florida ordered an investigation into the sweetheart deal that Epstein got. That was on August the 6th. Our governor orders the investigation. I got to believe there's some connection there, but follow me because this gets even scarier. Uh, Alex Acosta resigns. All of a sudden now, our governor, August the 6th, this summer, decides he's going to launch an investigation, which, by the way, we still don't know. We still don't know the results of that investigation. Uh, Florida Department of Law Enforcement uh, has been given that as a task to find out what in the heck happened. How did this guy get off with, like, a 13-month sentence where he could be free most of the day for what he did? And how come they didn't pursue all the other potential charges they had? Now, watch this. Our governor orders the investigation to start on August the 6th. And watch this. On August the 10th, Epstein is dead. Alex Acosta resigns on July the 12th. Then our governor on August the 6th. Wants an investigation. I believe Acosta probably knew this investigation was coming. And I believe there's something big that's going to come out in this. I don't know what, but I just, my spidey senses are tingling. That that we're going to find out something big happened. I don't know if it was somebody was paid off or somebody was threatened or somebody was blackmailed. I don't know. But I think something big is going to come out there. July the 12th, Alex Acosta suddenly resigns. August the 6th, Florida governor, our our governor here, uh, orders an investigation into how Epstein got the sweetheart deal in 2008. Four days later, Epstein is dead. Get this. Two days before his death, he redoes his will, places all of his assets... In a mysterious entity called the 1953 Trust. Now, the 1953 Trust is believed to be connected to his year of birth, 1953. But if you start looking into this guy's wheeling and dealing, and I did a little of this this week. You can go online to, obviously, the state of Florida website. You can look at corporations and registered agents and all of that sort of thing. You can do the same thing in the Virgin Islands. This guy was... You know, setting up this entity and that entity and this corporation and this nonprofit foundation and moving money around. And now there's this mysterious 1953 trust, which nobody knows what it is. Of course, uh, creditors, um, those that have claims, those that are suing will possibly have the right to have a judge pierce that trust, even if it's a an irrevocable trust to get at Epstein's assets. Talking about all these entities and all of this funny business, and people say this is what Epstein's expertise was. He's, you know, in the Virgin Islands and he's setting up trusts and he's doing all these obscure things, moving money around, helping people hide money, launder money, all this stuff. When we look into Epstein's nonprofit activity, this gets really strange. Um, First of all, there were several different nonprofits that he had set up. I don't know how many, but there wasn't just one. I have found that there were at least three. Now, there might be even more than that. And people that have looked at this closely and look at his gifting. So in one case, for example, he gave $8.9 million to Harvard. He gave money to MIT. He's given away a lot of money, millions of dollars. So a lot of people believe that this was his way of getting access was by giving money that this was how he would get introduced to people uh, how he would you know uh, try to get into certain circles um, how he would change the narrative about his uh, escapades with underage women to change the headline to Jeffrey Epstein good guy gives millions of dollars to charity Uh, even uh, money that he gave to Harvard was earmarked for some kind of program for people that were victims of sexual assault. How ironic is that? (laughs) Um, So there's a lot. There's a lot to even know about. I mean, just trying to follow this guy's money trail to all the different corporations and the Virgin Islands and now this 1953 trust and then all of these different nonprofit uh, organizations that he had set up. It's going to be a nightmare for anybody to ever figure out how much money this guy really had and where the money is. And don't forget all of the homes that this guy has. Um, properties in New York, Paris, Palm Beach, New Mexico, St. Thomas, including owning an entire island. Uh, <laughs> Little St. James Island, which he owned the, the entire island, which is you know right there off the coast of, of St. Thomas. Um, I still wonder, um, where did this guy's money come from? I know everybody's asking that question. And sort of the obvious answer is blackmailing people, supposedly in the home in New York. According to the Dylan Howard book, the home in New York had had cameras videotaping people. So maybe maybe it was just simply blackmail. He gets rich and powerful and famous people involved with younger women. But, you know, that are underage uh, videotapes it and then blackmails. Maybe it was that simple. I don't know. I, I something tells me. Yeah, but maybe there's even a lot more than that also. But you got to wonder just about for example the tax returns. I mean certainly if the government, if the federal government was investigating him in 2006 for the that first case where the federal government basically dropped their case and let the state prosecute him and give him the slap on the wrist, and now all of a sudden the federal government is going after him again, you got to think that they are aware of This guy's finances, if by no other reason than from his tax returns, because everybody's got to file a tax return. Even if you have all kinds of corporations and entities and all that nonsense, you still have to account for that by filing tax returns. Okay. so here's my next question. Why all of a sudden, after all these years? I mean, clearly Epstein's been doing this for decades, right? Why all of a sudden? He lands at Teeterboro airport and he's arrested by uh, a dozen FBI agents. They're now in there they go to New York city. They knocked the door, the 15 foot door down on his seven story home there. They seize all of this, uh, you know, uh, CDs with pictures of underage women naked. Um, all of this stuff. That they, they get at his place. But I'm thinking to myself, why all of a sudden do they go after Epstein? I mean, he's been off the hook since 2008. And reportedly he hasn't been doing you know anything much more than what he's always been doing. Um, probably even covering his tracks a little bit more. And I have an interesting theory. Because a lot of what I have read about Epstein and his his ability to move money around and hide money and launder money and all of that is that he is involved with bad people and covering up for bad people and laundering money uh, for nefarious uh, organizations. And possibly, possibly, and I'm just speculating here, maybe even helping Iran, maybe helping North Korea evade sanctions. I could see a guy like this being involved with things like that. No doubt about it. I mean, this is a guy where they go into his New York City seven story townhouse worth seventy five million dollars and they find a passport with his picture on it with a different name listing a residence in Saudi Arabia. Showing that that passport was used to travel around the world under that false name. So I I I don't put it past this guy. He had close connections to Saudi Arabia. He had close connections to a lot of uh A lot of uh, dignitaries. Um, Prince Andrew is back in the news. Now there's possibly a second woman that is coming forward. And it's interesting today because I read an article uh, about what the uh, U.S. government could do if Prince Andrew refuses to come to the U.S. to be questioned by the FBI. Apparently they've already thought this through. And plan B is to file charging documents at the uh, international court. At the Hague, which would force Prince Andrew to come to the U.S. to answer questions. There is so much here, folks. We, we don't we just. You know, people that people that are not smart, let me say this. People that are not very smart. That are just laughing about this, thinking that those of us that are looking into this are conspiracy theorists. Um. You're just not very smart, because if you start looking at this, and you start looking at the names, I mean, let's let's take for example Les Wexner, the billionaire, uh, f- founder of The Limited, um, behind Victoria's Secret. Uh, this guy's worth billions of dollars. So supposedly, we're supposed to believe that Les Wexner gave Jeffrey Epstein a 75 million dollar house i mean how do you do that i mean even from a tax standpoint can you imagine the gift taxes that would be owed if you gave someone a house i guess at the time he gave it to him was worth only 15 million woohoo but i mean you give someone that kind of money and then there are gift taxes uh, that are paid And, and according to what i've read uh les wexner also had given uh, Jeffrey Epstein uh, like power of attorney over all of his money. What? I mean, who does that? I mean, who would trust anyone with all of their money like that, especially a guy with this kind of a shady past? This is why so many people really wonder what the bigger story is here. What don't we know? Was Jeffrey Epstein really involved with intelligence community? Did he have sort of a get out of free jail card? Did he violate the terms of that get out of jail free card, which is why just recently the federal government went after him again? I think that's probably what we're going to find out. And, you know, I'm 50-50. Maybe we'll never know. Any of this, because maybe this is all just going to be swept under the rug. I think, however, it has become a big enough story that the public is going to demand answers. And one thing I'm thankful for is Donald Trump, like him or not, he's a bull in a China shop. He doesn't go along with the narrative. He doesn't go along with the program, with the status quo. And maybe Even if he's not reelected this next year, maybe there's a chance that under his Justice Department, maybe we will find out the truth about what is really going on here with Jeffrey Epstein. And for those of you that are not very smart, who think this is all silliness, you really have to step back and really look at what this is about. This is not a parlor game. This is not the game of Clue. Did Colonel Muster do it with the candlestick in the the living room? That's not what this is about. There is a larger question here than simply a murder mystery or a fun conspiracy theory to talk about. There is a very dark and significant question we have to ask, not just about this case, but about our society. Do we live in a society Is the United States of America a society that now allows its elite and privileged to sexually exploit minors and we have now accepted that within those circles, that that is okay? That all of these rich and powerful people are able to take advantage of children. And we have a culture in the media, in law enforcement, in the upper echelons of the elite that are going to allow this. And that this is now something that is just accepted among people at that level. That is what this is really about. That is to me what my whole purpose is in looking into this. I don't want to believe it's true. I don't want to believe that we live in a society like that. But there's a heck of a lot of questions that don't have good answers. Why would ABC kill the story? Why would no other major news media run with that story? Why did Bill Clinton fly on that plane 26, 27 times? Why in the world was Ken Starr involved defending a sexual predator? Why was Prince Andrew hanging out with him? Why in the heck did Bill Gates in 2011, there's a picture of Bill Gates in the New York times, a picture with Bill Gates uh, and Jeffrey Epstein at Jeffrey Epstein's home. Now that's in 2011, which is three years after his conviction in Florida. And this is not a silly thing. If you go on to our, Uh, Florida Sexual Predators website, and you put in Epstein's name, he he is a listed sexual predator with everything that that means connected to it. He is a listed sexual predator, of course now deceased. But even after being listed and pictured as a sexual predator, fast forward... Three years later, there's Bill Gates meeting with him. I don't get it. Why would someone with the name and reputation of a Bill Gates, who has all the money in the world, meet with a guy like this? There's just too many things here. Why did Alex Acosta just suddenly resign? I mean, if it's true that he was told to back off because Epstein was part of the intelligence community— That sounds like a pretty good defense. Hey, look, I was told by the CIA I can't do anything with this guy. Or higher-ups in the Justice Department told me I can't pursue this guy. Well, that's what he initially said, and now he just suddenly resigns. We're going to find out a lot more. I have a feeling a lot more is about to come out. Maybe not as quickly as all of us would like it. And next week, our special guest will be Dylan Howard. Epstein, dead men tell no tales. He knows this story. Much better than I do. Tonight, I've just scratched the surface. Maybe just scratched the scratch. But this is all the stuff that's rattling around in Jim Paris's brain uh, over the last week or two about Jeffrey Epstein. I hope you've enjoyed our program tonight. And you'll be with us next week as we get into this further with Dylan Howard. God bless. Have a good week. If it's Sunday night, it's Jim Paris Live. We'll talk to you next time.